Welcome to the Life of Learning podcast. I'm Justice Frank, and today has been a bit of a long day. Um, I went with a friend to collect um, some old cars, which he was uh, selling on, and it ended up being a lot of driving. Um, I think over 350 kilometers. So it was interesting. I, I learned a lot about cars and scrap cars and those sorts of things, which I don't necessarily know a lot about. Um, but yeah, because we were driving up in separate vehicles to where the cars were and then driving them back here to Christchurch, um, I had a lot of time. So I got my audiobooks out and I listened to most of The Age of Reason by Thomas Paine. Thomas Paine wrote this book in 1794, which is a long time ago. Uh, and Thomas Paine's a really interesting character, a really interesting person. He also wrote, he's also the author of Common Sense, which was one of the most popular pamphlets ever written. Um, and he wrote it and it played it back in, oh, when was it, 1776. And it played a quite an important role in the independence um, of the United States. Um, but the time that he wrote The Age of Reason was actually, he was in France and he was actually arrested and imprisoned. So he wrote at least the first half of The Age of Reason while in prison. And part of him writing, he talks about why he wrote it then, is he'd always wanted to write that book and it was kind of now or never for him because there was a possibility that he was going to die. Um, and so it was this kind of opportunity that possibly exactly he might not get out of this uh, prison really alive and so he wanted to write this book and it's a fascinating book uh, Thomas Paine writes about basically being a deist and his argument for deism um, now I'm not a deist um, but I used to be a Christian and so there's a lot of criticisms of um, I guess I was going to say modern Christianity um, but Christianity in general um, and and so it's quite quite a fascinating book and because Christianity has been in my background it's again a very interesting topic for me um, and I still have conversations with people about this and part of what came up in the book reminded me of some of the conversations that I've been having with people and it also, I think, tells us a lot about how human beings learn and some of the things that we need to be aware of. So what he talked about in particular was, at one point of the book, uh, was Revelation. Now if you're not familiar with Revelation, or what I mean by Revelation, it means basically that something is revealed to you. Um, you end up knowing something that no one else could know and uh, you basically get special insight 
um, often from God or some supernatural being. Um, but basically that you have special insight that no one else has. And he makes an interesting point about Revelation. He doesn't deny as such that Revelation can't exist. If there is a God, then there is a possibility that that God could communicate with someone. And as such, that would be a Revelation. So I'm just going to quote a bit from the book and then I'll sort of take it from there. So Thomas Paine says this. Revelation, when applied to religion, means something communicated immediately from God to man. No one will deny or dispute the power of the Almighty to make such a communication, if he pleases. But admitting, for the sake of a case, that something has been revealed to a certain person, and not revealed to another person, it is a revelation to that person only. When he tells it to a second person, or a second to a third, a third to a fourth, and so on, it ceases to be a revelation to all those persons. It is a revelation to the first person only, and hearsay to every other, and consequently, they are not obliged to believe it. It is a contradiction in terms and ideas to call anything a revelation that comes to us at second hand, either verbally or in writing. Revelation is necessarily limited to the first communication. After this, it is only an account of something which that person says was a revelation made to him. And though he may find himself obliged to believe it, it cannot be incumbent on me to believe it in the same manner, for it was not a revelation made to me, and I have only his word for it that it was made to him. So I've really found this quite fascinating, um, this idea that yeah, that revelation is only limited to the person that experiences it directly and that we are not obligated to believe any revelation that anyone says that they have had um, because we can't tell. Uh, we can't tell if they've simply made it up or where it's come from. Um, and. The thing about Revelation is that it's not just limited to religion either. I don't think I've said this on the podcast here before and I might as well share it here now. From my understanding of the world, yes I used to be a Christian but, and now I would, if I had to put a label onto myself, it would be atheist in the term of I don't see any good evidence for there being a God. I I'm not convinced that there is a God. And atheism as such, there, there are a lot more atheists out there these days. But I find that as such, that doesn't mean that people have put away with superstition. And it doesn't mean that people have stopped believing in magical entities. And it doesn't mean that people have stopped believing in the value of revelation. In fact, this is just as strong within the atheist community as it is within the Christian community, and maybe even more so. I'll talk a bit more, maybe another time, about magical entities and atheism. 
and how most atheists do still accept a magical entity of sorts. Um, but let's talk about revelation. So this idea that that you have special knowledge that no one else can know, but you want other people to accept what you say because it has been revealed to you. And this is obviously very clear in religion. Um, you know, God said to me this thing and you need to believe me because God said this to me. Even though we can't actually tell whether or not God said that to that person. And this is also very much happening in particular. Uh, one, one strong example at the moment in, in our culture is a whole thing around transgenderism. People claim that they have a feeling that they are something and that this has in a sense been revealed to them that for instance you know that they are the opposite gender and that that we need to believe that revelation that they have had and again it is simply hearsay if we accept their understanding of it as an aside i i always find this kind of fascinating um regarding transgenderism in terms of people might say well i am you know female but i feel like a i feel like a man and i always think well what does a man feel like i don't i don't know what it feels like to be man i i know what it feels like to be me but if i were to try and put into words what it feels like to be a man in comparison to being a female i wouldn't be able to do that because i don't know what it what it's like to be a female i don't know what that feeling is like so for me to claim that i feel female i don't i don't have any understanding i only know what it like what it's like to feel like to be me so recently i've had a number of discussions uh, regarding revelation and the argument goes something along the lines that i should accept what they have to say because it is their experience um it is their internal experience and it's something that i as such can't argue with um but as soon as people say that they've got had special revelation it kind of shuts down the conversation it shuts down the discussion because once you claim special revelation then i either need to just simply accept what you have to say but there's also no way for me to test whether what you what you say was actually from uh was specially revealed to you and so there's nothing there's nothing i can say anymore there's no conversation we're not talking about anything objective that both you and i can investigate um there's nothing outside of both of us that we can both look at and discuss and talk about it's about something that's within you um that's it's an experience that only you that you have felt or experienced but i have no access to that knowledge that they are claiming and this once again shows the problem with internal what i guess i could call internal knowledge claims um a knowledge that has, that arrives internally inside of you and is 
can only be accessed with inside of you and with only be accessed within your own mind. I was talking to someone about this just recently. I was putting forward the idea that the tree that we were passing in the forest was much more real and was much more concrete than a thought that you or I might have or dreams. Um, that it was more grounded in reality and after a bit of back and forth um, regarding you know well I'm still sure still sure that our thoughts exist um, and I'm, I'm not saying that we should question that our thoughts as such are happening within our minds but when it comes to communication um, we need to have something that both people can evaluate and look at and grasp and wrestle with once you go into the area of revelation all the power so to speak is in one person and the other person has no grounding because they can't access what is within your mind and what is within your revelation um, so to speak in our discussions we should be pointing to objective things that are outside of our internal experience um, something that both people can actually wrestle with and grasp and can evaluate and explore that's not to say that there isn't anything valid within our own experience and there is still much value in what you directly experience and this can be strong evidence for your own personal uh, benefit and in your own personal growth um, to take your internal experiences that you are having. But in terms of when it comes to communication and when it comes to learning and sharing information and sharing ideas, we cannot make the claim of revelation because it makes the authority as such lopsided because exactly a person can't see into your head so i hope this has kind of been fascinating for you um there's a lot of ideas here and it is somewhat a controversial one um but yeah feel free to obviously push back against any of this and see what you think but yeah i just think that when it comes to conversations and, and the way that we learn through conversations in order for us to set, have something valid to say um, something that the other person can then also evaluate we need to be pointing to and discussing objective things within the world that both people have access to um, rather than revelation which only one person has access to. Alrighty, thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. Okay, bye.